0: Welcome to episode 46 of Titan Up the Dog Pound. I am Thomas Head. You can find me on Twitter at brother underscore head. And you can follow the podcast collectively at Titan underscore dog 21. Michael is unfortunately not with us today. He is down in Houston on a work trip. But to quote Leonardo DiCaprio, portrayed Jordan Belfort in The Wolf of Wall Street, the show goes on. So we got a lot to cover today. Uh, Mainly, we are going to start with the Elijah Moore trade. The Jets did send Elijah Moore to the Browns for a pick swap. So we will go into Elijah Moore as a player, what could have potentially went wrong with the Jets, and what to expect with him on the Browns, and what role Kevin Stefanski may use him in. We are also going to discuss Rand Carthon. At the owners' meetings in Phoenix, he sat down with members of Titans Media, primarily with Jim Wyatt, and really gave some insightful um, answers on his overall vision for the team, his thought process behind free agency, and then what we can draw from that in terms of where they might go in the upcoming draft. So we'll hit those two things and then just some other random NFL topics, but we will start off with the Elijah Moore trade. So the Browns did acquire... Uh, Wide receiver Elijah Moore from the Jets, if you remember, he was a second-round pick for them back in 2021 out of Ole Miss. So the Browns get Elijah Moore and the Jets' third-round pick, which is the 74th pick overall. And the Jets move up to get the Browns' second-round pick, the 42nd pick overall. So Elijah Moore, he's a a young, talented player. He really came on and flashed his uh, rookie season. Forty three catches, five hundred thirty-eight yards and five touchdowns, and showed a lot you know, showed a lot of promise. And then if you go back and watch his um tape at while he was at Ole Miss, I mean you could see why he was worthy of that second round pick back in twenty twenty one. And then of course for all of our SEC historians out there, Elijah Moore was famously the player that in the egg bowl against Mississippi State scored the game winning touchdown. Was, you know, hiked his leg up and pretended he was pissing on a fire hydrant and that ended up costing Ole Miss the game so that just kind of begs the question why would the Jets get rid of such a young talented player that they spent pretty sizable draft capital on and what went you know what went wrong because it's very puzzling so if you remember back earlier this this season um Elijah Moore was very vocal about his what he felt like his lack of role in the offense was, uh, particularly after a Week Six win against the Packers. He voices his displeasure on Twitter and in interviews when a reporter asked him about his chemistry with Zach Wilson. He essentially, you know, essentially kind of blew it off and said, "Well, there is none because I don't get the ball." That pissed off the Jets coaches. And he was subsequently benched the next week and didn't play. And then he would essentially go a full month without getting a target. And then obviously not getting a target, not recording a catch. So absolutely did not add to his stat sheet at all, which is primarily the the reason he dropped off in 2022. 37 catches, 446 yards, and only one touchdown. And so obviously created a locker room issue. There was tension there between him and the coaching staff. He, multiple occasions, wanted to get traded, and he got his wish. He is now a Cleveland Brown. And so, what to expect for him in this offense? I mean, he's, this is who he was at Ole Miss. He showed flashes of it with the Jets. I mean, it's kind of hard to, given the, inconsistent quarterback play up in New York, but I mean he's a he's a small, fast guy to where if you get him the ball in space, he he's really good at creating yards after yards after catch and explosive plays. And I imagine that's how he's going to be using this Browns offense. I mean you've got Amari Cooper and uh Donovan Peoples Jones on the outside. Elijah Moore is just a perfect guy you can stick in the slot to You know, hopefully get some mismatches up on a slower safety, or if you're lucky, maybe even a linebacker, and, you know, do a little five, six, seven-yard little hitch route, break a tackle, and he's off to the races. And so, what ultimately ended up being his primary complaint was he felt like he was getting open, but he wasn't getting targets, and then that's obviously what led to Voices' Pleasure, fell out of favor with the coaching staff, which... If You know, this goes outside of football. If you've played any sport on any level, whether it's peewee, high school, college, or, I mean, obviously none of y'all play in the NFL, but you know what I mean. The one, like, the quickest way to piss off your coach, especially, you know, if you're young, like in high school, middle school, elementary school, whatever, is after a win, you complain about your own stats or whatever kind of selfish thing you're focused on. And, I mean, it it, it doesn't even matter if Elijah Moore was really co- correct, but it's easy to see how after that win versus the Packers to where, you know, he didn't get a target and he voices his pleasure with that after, you know, after at that point in the season for him was a pretty big win, I, I can see where it, you know, pissed off Robert Sala to the point to, you know, he essentially didn't have a role with the team for a full month. And then he sort of picked things up back in December. But anyway. And so, to dive in, is he was he warranted in feeling that way? Like, you know, when he makes that claim, I'm getting open, I'm just not getting, you know, targets which affect his stats, is, is he is he correct? And uh, there's a really good site out there called Player Profiler that kind of compiles some analytic stats, and then there were a couple that, you know, they kind of support Elijah Moore's case. So first question, is Elijah Moore getting open? Uh, There's a stat out there called target separation to where that measures a wide receiver's average yards of separation from his assigned defender the moment the pass arrives. So, whatever player's covering him, is he able to break away from him to get open? Um, Elijah Moore ranked 12th in the NFL in target separation, a little bit under three yards, which, Lord have mercy to the Titans fans out there. That is... Painful to hear considering that we had the exact opposite with our wide receivers last year. So, would have loved for the Titans to make this trade based on that alone. So, that's one component of it. And then, as I mentioned before, and then I'm sure, you know, anyone that was watching the NFL last season, the Jets were pretty inconsistent at QB play. Uh, Zach Wilson was hurt for the first month, so they had a cast of Joe Flacco and Mike White. Then, Zach Wilson came back, and when he came back, he was terrible to the point where all of his teammates hated him. He get he got benched, turned it over to Mike White, which, you know, God bless him, played well as an undrafted free agent, but, I mean, you know, just, he, he you know, not that guy, pal, you're not that guy. So, quarterbacks in New York didn't get it done, and the numbers bear that out. Um, ranked 98th in catchable target rate. So... The passes that were, when Elijah Moore did get targeted, the passes that were coming his way were off target. And I mean, again, if spend five minutes watching Zach Wilson play football and you'll understand why. So that kind of backs up his claim. He gets open, doesn't really get targeted, and when he does get targeted, half the time the pass is off target. And so that would lead you to believe that with better quarterback play and with a uh, intentional and concerted effort to make him more part of the offense, he can be a pretty explosive player and he can be a big, big contributor. So it's a good, you know, it's a good, good trade for the Browns. You really didn't give up that much to get him. You just got to move back, you know, move back one round, about 30 spots to get a pretty good wide receiver talent still on his rookie contract for, you know, at least another two years to where you don't have to pay this guy. So Good, good trade by Andrew Berry there should be a um, good pickup for the Browns which I mean they're obviously you know you've got you're paying Deshaun Watson all this money you've you got to be in win now mode and what sucks if you're a Browns fan is you play in the hardest division in football I mean came in last last year I mean the Bengals they're obviously historically not one of the revered franchises in the NFL but I mean, they their window is still going to be open for another year because they, they're they still going to have that cast of Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, and T. Higgins. But, you know, probably starting next off season, things are going to get tight money-wise for them. They're going to have to make some hard decisions. Um, the Ravens are going through a little bit of a thing with Lamar Jackson. Don't know where he's going to end up. Um, regardless of what happens, I mean, the Ravens are always historically one of those organizations that, you know, they, they just get it right. And I hate that because I hate the Ravens. So if they keep Lamar Jackson, you know, they'll probably do what they've been doing the last two or three years, which is win 10 or 11 games and compete for the division or at least get a wild card. But even then, like, you know, let's say they trade them. Then they've got all this free cap space and they got two extra first round picks. I mean, it's hard to believe that they're not going to use those wisely and still find a way to compete. And then the Steelers are in a little bit of a downturn right now. Um, don't know, don't know what to do about Kenny, Kenny uh, Two gloves and his little tiny ass hands. But again, just an organization that historically gets it right. But it all hinges on Deshaun Watson. I mean, they they the Browns have amassed. A, I mean, a lot of talent. I mean, already went through the wide receivers: Cooper, Jones, and. Um, now Elijah Moore, you gave Njoko all this money. You've got Nick Chubb. you got one of the best offensive lines in football. And I expect the defense to be better this year. I mean, they've made some good moves. Dalvin Thompson's a good guy to bolster up that defensive line. Um, I'm not even going to try to pronounce his name because I don't have it written down in front of me, but that kid from Houston who, you know, tore up the Titans last year. And you brought in Jim Schwartz. So it's... You know, you're you're in win now mode in a very hard conference, but if you're the Browns, I mean you got you gotta at least make the playoffs next year. If not, heads are gonna to start to roll. But moves like this is what's gonna help you get there. So we'll see how that we'll see how that goes. Which should be better for Elijah Moore personally, because I mean, Deshaun Watson, I mean, even when he was at his worst during that six game stretch last year shaking off the rust, still better than Zach, Zach Wilson. So again, got to make the playoffs. Um, another component to that is Browns got to hit on their draft picks, which to his credit, a- Andrew Berry has done better than most GMs at hitting hitting on hitting on picks, particularly a lot of mid round picks. So he's going to have to really, you know, pull it out of the hat to sustain this beyond this year. Because I mean, cap is you can't cap is going to be tight, and I mean, you you can only restructure so much to to the point to where that bill comes due. And so that is about all I got for what's going on with the Browns. Um, love, hopefully, Michael will be back soon. If we can get his insight on that. And to move on to the Titans, so not a not, not a lot of moves on their part. Um, they signed tight end. Uh, Traven Wesco from the Bears, who was formerly of the Jets and formerly, you know, traveling those country roads in West Virginia as a mount- Mountaineer for the University of West Virginia. So bring guy like that in to fill the Jeff Swain role to be a blocking tight end. So I couldn't couldn't tell you a thing about him before this signing was made, so I'm not going to sit here and tell you this is the best move ever or Rand doesn't know what he's doing. And speaking of Rand... So he was down in Phoenix for the NFL owners meeting, sat down with some members of Titans media, um, had a really good interview with Jim Wyatt, which, you know, for those of you that don't follow the Titans closely, Jim Wyatt used to be, you know, he was the writer for the Tennessean, which is Nashville's big local paper, and covered the Titans with them. And now he actually works for the Titans and writes on titansonline.com. So he had a really good interview with Rand Carthon. I, you know, you go on the Titans Twitter page and go on their website, you should be able to find it, that he gave a lot of insightful answers. Uh, spoke on a couple things, mainly Derrick Henry rumors. Um, he denied ever shopping Derrick Henry. Doesn't necessarily mean they weren't listening to offers, but you know, and again, I've said this on previous episodes. I you know, the tight I, I just don't see a universe where the Titans are like trying to trying to intentionally offload Derrick Henry. Now again, that doesn't mean you're not Listening to offers, again, like, I, like I've like i said before, I think they would want a Christian McCaffrey type of package to even consider potentially trading them. And then, honestly, if, if you're an NFL team, it doesn't really make a lot of sense to trade for Derrick Henry at this stage in his career, giving up that kind of draft capital and then taking on his cap hit. So I I've always believed he was still going to be a member of the Titans. And then even then, I mean, you're trying to, you know, you're whether you want to call it a rebuild, reshuffle, or whatever, you know, there's a little bit of reset going on. And you just, you know, you need to keep these culture guys. And I mean, Derek Henry is a guy that you know, he works hard. Just look at his off-season workout videos and just a guy that you need in that locker room to set the culture for what you're trying to build for the future. Um, And then also Kevin Byard, they were... A lot of rumors that apparently he was going to ask for his release, or if he didn't take a pay cut, the Titans were going to cut him. Um, Asked about that, Rankarthon denied that Kevin Byard or anyone representing Kevin Byard requested that he be released, and said that he plans on Kevin Byard being here for a long time, so hopefully that actually does play out, because like I said last episode, I'd you know, if there's one guy you shouldn't have, shouldn't be asking to take a pay cut. It's him. So hopefully he's hopefully he's here. And like you know, like I said with Derrick Henry, the dude is just the heart of the defense. And you you just can't give you can't give guys like that up when you're trying to reset culture. Um, Touching on Tannehill a little bit. In the past, I mean, he's been committed to him to being the starter in twenty twenty three, basically given the whole, you know, you know, he's on the roster now, you know, he he he's our quarterback right now. So it's kinda of one you know, it it it's a little noncommittal. I mean what it tells me is, you know, Tannehill's the guy until he isn't the guy. Um I don't see a scenario I don't think they're gonna try and trade for Lamar Jackson. I mean I think the only scenario where Ryan Tannehill isn't the starter next year is if one of one of these four rookies becomes more plausible to get, which it's you know the, the Titans currently picking at eleven, it, it it's gonna it's gonna be hard to kind of get up there. So you obviously you got Carolina and Houston picking one and two, quarterbacks are gonna go there. Arizona at three, um, it it just depends on how it falls. I mean, is there a is there a scenario to where the Titans are gonna be able to get one of the guys they want? Absolutely, and I mean it's hard to tell which of the guys they actually really want. I mean, my guess is C.J. Stroud, given the Mike Vrabel-Ohio State connection. um, Both he and Rand attended Ohio State, Alabama, Kentucky, and Florida Pro Day to, you know, check out C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, Will Levis, and Anthony Richardson, respectively. Um, They they did spend a lot of time with C.J. Stroud, more than any of the quarterbacks at his Pro Day. So I would imagine that's probably, if there was – a guy that they preference out of the four, it's probably him. But again, with them picking outside the top 10 like that, it's just, it's going to be hard to move up and get there. So there could be a scenario to where like, you know, maybe Carolina's, and I mean, this was rumored for a minute. Maybe they're like enamored with Anthony Richardson and take him one overall. And then Houston takes Bryce young. Well, now, now you've got a situation where now you've got Arizona sitting there at number three, with their current GM used to be a Titans executive that knows Mike Vrabel very well. So a situation where the Titans could jump the Colts and get their guy. Again, they would have to give up a lot to do that, but you know, let's say Cardinals stay put, they take their guy, you know, whatever player they want at three. Um, some reports are coming out today that apparently will Levis is the guy for the Colts. So let's, let's say that's true. And, Indianapolis takes Will Levis at number four, and then now we're all the way down to number five, and C.J. Stroud's available. So you've got Seattle at five, which they don't necessarily need a quarterback right now, but if a guy like C.J. Stroud falls into their lap, I mean, you know, it, it's it's a toss-up on whether or not they'll take him, and they obviously just gave Geno Smith that huge contract, but I don't think they view Geno Smith as a long-term answer. So do you do you take C.J. Stroud at five? Who knows? Let's say let's say they pass on them and just take you know whatever best defensive players available. And the team to really that I think it's important to watch for to that to trade back is going to be Las Vegas at number seven. So they've got Jimmy, you know, they signed Jimmy Garoppolo, a lot of familiarity with him and uh, their coach Josh McDaniels. My. You know my kind of prediction is, I mean, I think Las Vegas is, you know, they're going to focus on building out that defense because that's where they were terrible last year, and working on giving Jimmy G some weapons to get the most out of him. I, I just think they're going to get, they're going to try and get the most out of this, you know, short Jimmy G era that they have. So I don't see them taking a quarterback, but it is a prime spot for the Titans or, you know, whatever team you want to insert there to trade up. For a quarterback, because I'm sure they would like to trade back and acquire more picks to build out the rest of their roster. So let's say C.J. Stroud falls that far. Then, it, you know, it, it's a little easier to jump from 11 to 7 than it is from, you know, 11 to 1 before Carolina traded up to number 1 or from 11 to 3. And then now you, now you do have a scenario to where, oh, look, we can go get this guy. Let's you know, let's go get them, and then obviously I think in that scenario, that would be the end of Tannehill's time at Tennessee. But again, I mean, a lot has to happen for us to reach that point, and it's just a lot of things that are not necessarily in the Titans' control. So we will see. we'll We'll see how we'll see how it all plays out. This this is what makes this time of the year so much fun, and why we enjoy watching the draft. Um, Rand also gave some pretty insightful answers on his free agent class and then kind of what he envisions for this season. So when he was asked a question about Andre Dillard, he said the following, I think the overall arch and view of the guys we all brought in is every guy has starter level ability. They just haven't had the opportunity to be a full-time starter. And if you kind of think about it, it is how Vray, you know, Mike Vrabel's career started. He was a third-round pick in Pittsburgh, never started in Pittsburgh, but got his opportunity in New England, and obviously the rest is history, how he became a player, he became. Each of these guys have logged starts here and there, but they have never been full-time starters. And they're guys that we believe in, and that became become starters in this league. So that was in response to a question with Andre Dillard, but you can see how that applies to... The other guys they brought in, Aziz Alshair, Arden Key, uh, Daniel Brunskill. I mean, he, basically guys that he feels like have shown promise when they've gotten the opportunity, but never really kind of got the full-fledged confidence from their teams. And it's also not a coincidence. I mean, all these guys, with the exception of Dillard, are uh, former 49ers guys. Um, Continuing to talk about Dillard, another thing that he said that I thought was interesting was when he talked about him possibly playing multiple positions. So obviously Dillard was an Eagles first-round pick at left tackle. You know, he gets hurt, and then the guy that replaces him ends up being better than Dillard, so they just stick with that guy. And then here we are with Dillard. So in regarding that, he said we'd like to start him off at left tackle, have him there first, and see how it goes. But he's another guy that's played guard, and I think the the big thing is having versatility. That's something Mike Vrabel has always has always admired. And when he's particularly with offensive linemen, that was part of the reason why last offseason they brought in Jamarco Jones. And that's so and then I mean, that's not even a guy Rank Arthon. Like that was a J Rob guy. And Rank Arthon brought up Jamarco Jones by name as someone that could have a big role in this offense, which, you know, he was a, someone the Titans brought in last year never saw him. He never never made it to the regular season because he got hurt in training camp. So I'm interested to see kind of what his role could potentially be with the Titans. Um, But more importantly, referring to Andre Dillard, again, they see him as possibly playing guard as well, which then doesn't take the possibility of left tackle off the board at number 11. Because you know, when they signed Andre Dillard, they're like, "Okay, well, that means they're just going to go wide receiver at eleven or do whatever." But that takes left tackle off the board. Not so fast, my friend. So, Paris Johnson still on the menu, boys. So we'll see how that. So we will see how that goes. Um, and again, talking about Alshair, absolute absolute maniac references his time with San Francisco when he did start. He. Had a season with one hundred plus tackles, so getting a guy like him on the cheap. I mean, Arden Key is a guy that's shown, you know, big season in Jacksonville was a key part of them beating the Titans in that uh, last week eighteen game to secure the division. Daniel Brunschweiler, a guy that's played multiple, you know, multiple positions. I, yeah, I believe if I am not mistaken, started at all five positions while he was in San Francisco on the offensive line, so. Again, that's something Rable's always loved, and I'm sure Carthon does as well. So, should be fun. I love this time of year. I'm going to see what we can build, see what these guys can do. love seeing these guys earn their stripes, and then hopefully these guys, you know, whether it's here in Tennessee or somewhere else, hopefully these guys can earn themselves some big contracts. And that is about all I have for the Titans. And then just to kind of wrap... actually no one more thing for the Titans a San Francisco radio host by the name of Larry Kruger he uh, guest hosts a show on 957 The Game tweeted out that he believes that he has heard rumors from Shanahan and their GM John Lynch that Trey Lance will be dealt to the Titans for Malik Willis and a pick swap I do not have a clue if this is legit I mean this guy obviously does have a legit connection to the 49ers and is part of the San Francisco media um never heard of this guy before that that tweet came out so don't know how reliable he is but we're just gonna toss that into the ether and see see what happens so it, again you you just never you just never know what's gonna happen between now and the end of that draft here at the end of April um Jeffrey Simmons he has not signed an extension yet, and that's very upsetting. Uh, but his agent tweeted out a clock emoji with a video of Jeffrey Simmons highlights. I don't know if that means something's coming soon. Whatever that something is, I hope it's positive, and I hope it means that Jeffrey Simmons is Titan for life. But at the same time, I'm ready to get disappointed in back to back offseason and watching up star player leaves Tennessee ready to get hurt again anyway that's all we have here today uh, we'll have more in the coming weeks as we get closer to the draft so we'll definitely be looking at some prospects that we hope our teams can take and that'll you know give us an idea of how our roster is going to shape out and then before we know it schedule is going to come out and we'll be in mini camp then training camp and Tell you what, in a blink of an eye, it'll be back. Ladies and gentlemen, that's all we have today. Again, this is Thomas Head at Brother underscore Head on Twitter. Uh, Please give Tighten Up the Dog Pound a follow on Twitter as well, Titan underscore Dog 21. And most importantly, rate, review, and subscribe.